man, it's good to be here with you this morning. I was thinking this week as I was preparing for the sermon, when it was the last time I preached here in the morning, it's been a few months. Um, so it's just really great to be able to come here and uh, unpack God's word with you, uh, to be able to fellowship with you guys afterwards with a cup of coffee, hopefully, and uh, just hang out. So it's really, really good to be here with you this morning. Um, and I feel like I'm visiting, so I just want to say a, a warm welcome to you that all, they come here regularly. Um, it's great to have you here, um, particularly for those of you who are visiting like I am as well. Um, it's great to have you here. We've got a, a guest lounge at the back. We'd love to hang out. I'm going to be there because I'm visiting, so I'm going to get myself some sweets. Uh, it's, it's the perks of the job. Um, we're going to be carrying on with our series this morning for the Father's Eyes Only, and we're in Matthew 6. So... What I've done is I've got a little marker in Matthew 6, man. We're going to be here for some time. Just save yourself some time. Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4 is the passage we're going to be reading and unpacking this morning. Um, So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4. And while you're turning there, I've just been encouraged by what Lawrence has been sharing with us this morning, man. We come to this word because it's alive. This is the living word of God. He has spoken to us. He is alive and he speaks to us today. And man, what a privilege and honor it is to come and hear what the holy God is going to say to us this morning. It's this awesome, wonderful privilege of being able to hear what he has to say. So with that, let's pray. Lord, we, we come with hearts that are ready to receive this morning. If we haven't, we pray that Holy Spirit, you would open up our hearts that you would speak to us powerfully, we pray. I know in, um, in Isaiah 55, 11, it says that your word goes out and achieves its purpose in which it was sent. May that happen this morning. Lord, would there be less of me and more of you? We're not here to listen from men, but we're here to live, listen from the, uh, hear from the, the, the living God. Speak to us powerfully, we pray. Change our hearts. Stir up a desire in our hearts for Christ. We want more of Jesus. We want you, Lord, more of you, and however we can obtain that, to get that, to grasp that, to live for you more, that you would stir in our hearts that we might have it. We do not want to leave this building the same. We want to come changed because we've met with the Holy God, and we can only be changed when we've met with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 6, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking, and uh, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It goes like this. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have uh, no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And just a bit of stuff that we need to understand and grasp as we dive into the section is that verse 1 in which, in, in Matthew 6 verse 1, verse 1 is the foundation for the next 18 verses. Verse 1 is the lens in which we need to see the next 18 verses. And Jesus is not about to just speak about three different categories on giving alms, prayer, and fasting. But rather, he's going to be speaking about one collective thing, and that is how to live out our lives righteously. 
He's not here going to talk about a new type of righteousness. He's not going to unpack three different things, but rather he's going to say, what is the motive behind our righteous living? And what he does is he goes and gives three examples. Does that make sense? And so he, he has chosen three, and some commentators differ on why he has chosen the three he has. D.A. Carson's, a respective scholar, would say, man, these are the three primary uh, chief um, Jewish uh, arms and, and piety that was practiced. These were the main things that they did, and that's why Jesus focuses on these three. Other, uh, other commentators and preachers, such as Martin Lloyd-Jones, a phenomenal preacher, would argue that the, this encompasses all of Christian relationships. In, in the giving of alms, it's our, our relationships with others. In, in, in prayer, it's our relationship with God. In, well, in fasting, well, it's our, our relationship with self, in a sense, because there's a bit of sacrifice. There's, there's giving up of self. There's, there's starving of self in it. But regardless of what the reason behind Jesus choosing these three, the primary focus for him is what is your motive behind doing these things? Why have you done these things? And he wants our motive not to be, as we see in this passage, the praise of men, but rather what he wants us to do is be the praise of God. But doesn't that sound a bit contradictory to what Jesus has said in Matthew 5? I mean, Matthew 5, verses uh, 14 to 16, Jesus says this well-known passage. We've just gone through it, so you, you would know. Uh, Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Remember this passage? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, what? Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here, yeah, this is instruction from Christ that seemingly is contradictory to what we've just read. Let people see your light. Let them see your good works. Do it. In, in fact, there seems to be a, an implication here that if you do not do this, you're doing wrong. You're being sinful. That to not let your light shine or, or to hide it under a basket is something... That is sinful and not good. So how do we pair these two up? Are these contradictory? What should we do with this? Well, man, what we need to understand is, again, and I want to go back to it again, is it's about motive. In Matthew, in Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, when Jesus says, let your light shine, the motive behind it is what? He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Where in Matthew 6, verse 1, Jesus is concerned and warns us against making sure that when we do good works, it's not for the Father's glory, but we try to do it for whose glory? Our own. Matthew 5, verses uh, 14 to 16 is about the extension of the kingdom. It's about being bold. It's about being courageous. It's about being light that is going out into darkness. It's in the previous section, he talks about being salt that stops the decay of the world. It's about God's kingdom. When Matthew 6 verse 1, Jesus warns us about building our kingdom, our reputation. And so, while these on the surface, when we just quickly look at them, might seem contradictory, in fact, they go hand in hand. There's a great marriage between the two of these passages. And what Jesus is doing in Matthew 6, 
is he's trying to make sure that we don't get Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 swapped around. Where instead of being bold for the kingdom, we're bold for our own kingdom. Where instead of caring less about self, we care less about the kingdom of God. And he's warning us, watch out. Pride creeps in so quickly that we make self the primary thing all the time. And he's warning us saying, be careful, caution yourself here because you will fall into this trap if you're not intentional about it. Saying, watch out for getting the wrong way around. But how do we get this the wrong way around? I was thinking about that this week and this might seem simple and elementary to you. But sometimes we get the simple and elementary things the wrong way around and forget about them. And that is this, that we take our eyes off Christ. When we get this the wrong way around, we've taken our eyes off Jesus. And, and that is something we do too regularly as, as Christians. It's something that we have continually fight against. Because if we've got our eyes on Christ, man, then we are never bold for self, but we bold for the kingdom of God. It's never about us, it's about Jesus. Why? Because when I see Jesus, what do I see? I mean, I see a holy God. I see God who sits on the throne, who is righteous and perfect and just. And, and the natural response to being in the presence of the holy God and seeing him is realizing that our own sin is far greater than we thought. What happens is we become, as we said in Matthew 5 verse 2, that we are poor in spirit. We realize there's nothing good in self to, to, to come along and beat our chests about. There's nothing good in self that we can walk around and go, man, praise me, guys. Look how great I am because we've realized in the light of the Holy God that we are nothing to be praised. But only he deserves to be praised. Man, when we look at Christ, what do we see? We see a savior who bears the scars in his hands and his feet for dying for us on the cross. That he's come and he's, he's liberated us from, from, from slavery, of, the slavery to sin and brought us into the freedom as his sons and daughters. He's taken us out of darkness to light that we realize that we were bought with a price. We're not our own. And, and it would be silly, it would be foolish for us to think that we should live for ourselves when we've been bought and now we are somebody else's, we are his. It's when we get that mixed up, do we live for self and not for God? We ought to live for him. Man, when we got our eyes on Christ, what do we see? We see a, a king who has traded the crown of thorns for a real crown. The crown of a king who rules, who holds the universe together who has spoken and it has come into being. He lets nations rise and he lets nations fall. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How foolish it is to think when we look at Christ that we should build our own kingdoms and not live for him. That we should build our own temporal kingdoms and not his eternal kingdom. But we do foolish things when we take our eyes off Jesus. We do them quickly. We do them quickly. And so, man, there is this need, guys, to keep our eyes on Christ. And then, when we do that, our motives will be right. Our motives will be good. And so here Jesus, in, in Matthew 6, he, he starts in this passage that we're looking at this morning, this particular example, he dives into the act of giving to the needy. 
that in our pursuits of Christ, what happens is that we are to give to those who are in need. Now, before we dive into that and unpack that, I want to just dive into a few things and talk about a few things that Jesus just mentions that we might just miss. This passage here is not a teaching, is not an instruction that you should give. This passage is not an urging by Christ, please go and give. It's not a demand. It's not an encouragement to do so. It's not that. Christ in this passage is assuming that you are already giving. As a follower of Christ or someone who pursues after him, if you desire more of him, he just assumes that you are already giving. What does he say? When you give. Not if, or please do, or consider, or I urge you to. No, no, no. When you give. Giving is a natural outflow of those who pursue Christ. Secondly, and we don't get this in English, or at least in South African English, the word you here is in the singular. You know, in South Africa, we, we say you to a singular person, just one person, but we say you to a crowd. And Americans would get this better than we would in the South. They would go, y'all, if they're talking. Uh, that's a brilliant accent. Um, they would go, y'all, when they're talking to the crowd, but you when they're talking to the singular. And I think sometimes we miss this to something so simple as you. Jesus is talking to the individual here. And what, what this means for us is that he assumes that the individual who has a relationship with him is giving, is helping those who are in need. He's, he just assumes that this means we cannot ride on the coattails of, on the back of our family members who do great stuff. We can't just go, oh man, well my family doesn't, no, no, do you do it? Again, it doesn't mean we can ride on the coattails of our church. Oh, my church does these amazing, no, no, what's your involvement? What do you do? And particularly for us as Sterling, we can't ride on the coattails of the trust. We have a phenomenal trust who does phenomenal work. But what are you doing? There's a call for the individual to own this, to be involved. And so with that in mind, Jesus talks about three primary motives in which can be used when giving. Two of them are wrong and one of them is right. So let's look at those this morning. The first can be found in uh, verse 2. It says, thus, when you give to the needy, again, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. So Jesus is saying here, the first motive in which we have is to draw attention to ourselves. He, he talks about someone who's walking around blowing a trumpet. And everyone shouts, ole! And then they uh, turn around and they go, wow, look at that guy. He's doing a fantastic job. That's amazing. Look at me, guys. I, I, I'm doing this thing. We post it on Facebook. We talk about it. We make sure it's known so that everyone can see what we're doing. And Jesus says, no, no, don't do that. Now, they didn't literally walk around with trumpets and blow they, and, and make, make it like that. Jesus is painting a picture here. Um, he is saying, essentially, do not proclaim the things that you do. Do not um, draw attention to self in order to get the praise from others when you 
do these things. Do not draw attention to yourself. Now, I know we've spoken about over the last two weeks what a hypocrite is, but I'm also aware that some of you might have not been here for the last two weeks, so let me just briefly discuss it. A hypocrite is, it derives from uh, the word actor, so essentially it is someone who acts out and pretends to be something they're not in order to receive the praise of others. That's really it. And there are three types of hypocrites. There's three types of ways hypocrisy can uh, be played out. The first is probably uh, the the most intentional. It's, It's someone who intentionally tries to deceive someone else in order to uh, be seen as better or to be praised. Let me give you an example. When I was, I couldn't have been older than 11. I don't know if my grandfather's going to remember this. I was um, sitting in church at Gnubi Methodist Church, sitting in the pews, and the collection bag came around. So the bag was going around like we do here, and uh, money was being put in. But this particular Sunday, I didn't have any money with me. I, I didn't really get pocket money growing up as a kid. But I would always turn to my grandfather or who I was with and say, do you have any money? And they would go, yes, and they would give it to me, and I'd put it in. This particular week, they obviously didn't have any change to give me. And so I, uh, the money bag was coming around. So what I did, I, there's no collection bags around yet. But what I did is I, I, gra- I pretended to put money in. And the way I did this, now don't, do, don't go ahead and do this now. But what I did was I, I Pretend I was holding money, and then I grabbed it on the rim, so it looked like I was putting money in, and then I hit the bottom, so all the coins made a noise. So you grabbed it, and you go, ding, and then it makes like all the coins gone in, and then you pass it along, and it looks like you've put money in. It sounded like it. And I did this, all sneakily, to, because I, I wanted others to see that I'd put my two rand or my five rand in. And my grandfather, obviously knowing that I had no money because I'd asked, passes the bag on, turns around and calls, rebukes me out and calls me a hypocrite. He just blatantly goes out. I'd never heard the word before, but I knew exactly what it was about. <laughs> Hypocrisy can be played out extremely intentionally, intentionally trying to deceive, to pretend like we've got something else. So the others might think, oh, man, look at that 11-year-old. Isn't he great by putting in his five rand in the basket? Oh, it's amazing. Get the praise of others to, to, to carry an image that others might have. It's intentional. But it might be more subtle than that. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I think often we think we're not being like the 11-year-old Joe. But there is a subtlety of hypocrisy that comes in. And, and, and the reason for that, because the second way is that someone can genuinely believe their own deception. We believe something about ourselves that's not true. But other people see it. That's the second way. They see us. They go, man, that's not true. And the third way is, and I think in this passage, this is what it is. Besides, they did not deceive Jesus. Is that they believe the deception and others do as well. And they get the praise that they desire. And this is this festival of uh, hypocrisy that's just happening. It's a subtleness in the way we speak, in the way we talk. It can be simply as, as me just expressing uh, how my heart breaks for the need that's in the world and how I'm doing my best to do it, but it's just not doing anything, and I wish others could do it as well. But I let you know of everything that I do. It can even be a place where we feel it's necessary to say something, but yet we bring praise on self. Let me give you another example. I was a bit older this time. I've got many stories. 
I was a bit older this time. I, I, I must have been in grade 11, the trick-ish area. A, a mate of mine got together a group of youth leaders around from their different youth groups around the city. And his idea was great. It was, man, we, as uh, the youth of East London, are going to get together. We're going to run events. We're going to be involved in charities. We're going to do all these things. It was a fantastic idea. We only ever met once. Um, and we met this once. And, and it was a group of us that never, uh, never really interacted with other guys we didn't know. And, and so after some coffee and tea and just laughing and joking, we sat down. And he said, okay, now go around the circle. Say your name. Say what church you go to and what ministry you're involved in. And so, it's an instruction, something that you feel you need to do, okay? I'm, my name is Joe, and this is what church I went. I went to be Baptist at the time, and this is what I did. And, and so, it started off on the other side of the circle and started moving around, and it quickly became who can boast about who, what they do the most. And man, there were some great things. There were guys that were, were, were saying they were involved in this and that and this, and as I was sitting there, I felt the pressure on me even more. Do I deserve to be around the circle or not? And so by the time it got to me, I had this pressure of, I need to impress. And man, I dived in headfirst. <laughs> I gave it horns. I started in Genesis and I ended in Revelation. <laughs> Everything I could think of that I did. This and that and this. At the end, people were nodding and smiling. I was getting the, I got the approval. I felt like I deserved to be around the circle. I was second last, I remember. And then moved over to my mate. His name's Jared Trocus. I can say it because he was good. And he was, man, phenomenal. Could lead worship, could, could play every instrument under the sun. Phenomenal leader, intelligent, involved in many ministries. He, he was just this great guy. And I was waiting, man, Jared, go for it, bro. And he says, hi, my name's Jared. I come from Ganubi Baptist. I'm just here to help guys. Oh, <laughs> it was a dagger to the heart. As the Holy Spirit convicted me, he meant he did it right. He did it right. I felt the need I needed to say something. Everyone else had. I felt I needed to be there. But I got it wrong. <laughs> Horribly. Guys, hypocrisy and drawing attention to self is so subtle. So, so subtle. We mention it all the time, the things that I do, or this is that. We mention it in prayer meetings. Oh, man, that's the greatest place to blow our own trumpets. Oh, please pray for these guys. I'm trying my best, but this is what I'm doing, but it's just not enough. Everyone goes away. Oh, man, that guy's great. He's doing a lot. Jesus just says here, as much as possible, don't draw attention to self. Because in most of the time, what happens is we are seeking and wanting the praise of others. Man, there are going to be times, and, and I want you to say, this does not mean, Jesus is not saying, don't ever give to people in, in, in view of others. That's not what he's saying. No, because they must see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. But he says, never do it in front of people if you have the tendency to go, oh, are you looking? Look at me. Don't draw attention to self. Don't use this as an out never to give because there's other cars driving by. Give. Just don't do it for self. That's the first motive, Jesus says. Don't draw to self. We, we find the second motive in, in verse 3. It says this. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Let me read that again. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What in the world does Jesus mean here? 
Because that's an impossibility, right? It's, it's impossible for me to give and not know that I give. In fact, Jesus told me to be intentional in making sure that I give. So how can I give and not know that I'm giving and my right hand know that my left hand not? What is Jesus trying to say here? Jesus is essentially saying, yeah, do not dwell on it. Do not overthink about it. Because what happens? We give and we don't tell anyone. And we walk around. We, 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 we missed, we got step one right. We walk around and we, Joe, you're such a great guy, man. Hey, you gave that guy 20 bucks. He is so excited. I bet he's telling his family, he's telling his mates. Oh, man, that's fantastic. We build ourselves up. I'm such a good guy. I've done that this week. I did that. And what happens is we overdwell on it and pride creeps in. And what should be a self, uh, a non-conscious thing suddenly becomes a self-righteous thing. What should not be about building us up now becomes about building us up. And, the, and it's, it's, it's quite perverse if you think about it. Man, this almsgiving in Greek it, it, it implies a, an act of mercy. Being in a place of act of mercy to, to real people in real needs. And we, we're there to help and relieve a real situation of distress. And yet somehow in our perverseness and in our sin, it's so subtle and it's so small. We make it about how great we are. Jesus says, don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on it. Don't think about it. Don't build each other up. Now, again, it, it does not mean you cannot plan your giving. Man, that's fantastic if you do that. If you budget aside each month of what you're going to give to those in need, that's fantastic. But what Jesus is saying is don't build yourself up about it. Don't praise yourself. Don't do that. It, don't make it about you. And that moves us on to the third one. So let's read verse, uh, verse 3 and verse 4 together. It says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying, don't let others see it so that they may praise you. Don't intentionally do it so that they may praise you. Don't dwell it on yourself. Don't praise yourself for it. Don't worry. The way to do it is to forget about it and know that God has got a list. He is watching as living under the Father's eyes only. And what he sees, he will reward. And I'm not going to talk about rewards. We're going to speak about that in two weeks' time after Taryn. But live in such a way in which the Father sees. In which the Father sees. And that is it. And ultimately, it comes down to a choice. It comes down to a choice between two things. Am I going to please myself? Or am I going to please God. That's it. You might say, no, Joe, it's, got, it's not about pleasing self, it's about pleasing others and pleasing God. No. The heart of the reason why I want to please others is so that I might be pleased myself. And that's the choice we need to make. Am I going to please self or am I going to please God? You know what the, the, the crazy thing is? Is that if we choose to please self, it's temporal, it's fickle. People are fickle. We who here are fickle. People do great stuff and we go, whoa! amazing but the next day they do something wrong we go that person's a horrible guy he's awful their opinion of you changes in an instant they don't care 
And so you're constantly trying to earn something that you can never obtain and never keep because you will upset them and they fickle, you sinful, they sinful, and opinions change. And your satisfaction never lasts. You never have that pleasing. But man, if you please Christ, if you please God, there's something that's lasting. He writes it down. He will reward you openly for it. It's, it's going to be lasting. He's going to see it. It's going to echo into eternity. And, and you know what? You get more of him. You go closer to him as he's pleased with you. And there comes a lasting satisfaction in that. Something that is not dependent on people, but on someone who's not wavering, who does not change. It's, it's secure. He's pleased with you. Man, that's awesome. And it becomes down to those two choices. Are we going to please self or are we going to please God? Lastly, in conclusion, finished in clock. Church, we are, ought to do this. We ought to love in such a way because we were loved in such a way. Man, we are called to love. We were talking about it in the prayer meeting this morning. We are called to love out and we are called to love in. For those of you who knew what that means is we're called to love out. We're called to love outside this body, outside this church, to those who are, who are sick, to those who are hurting, to those who do not know Christ, that do not call themselves a part of SBC, and we are also called to love in. And that comes in acts of mercy of giving. Why? Because we were loved. We were loved when we were sick. We were loved when we were hopeless. We were loved when we could do not do anything for self, but here came a savior to save us. And so we do not go and love others to beat on our own chest, but rather we love others because we were loved first. We have the savior who loved us when we were sick. By his stripes, we are healed. But physically, spiritually, it's far greater. Man, we have the savior who's come and loved us to let us love. And where does it end? Our eyes keeping our eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. And this also sorts out. Let us pray. What a privilege it is, Lord, to be known by you. Lord, as we just spoke about issues of the heart this morning, there's just a realization that as I was talking about my old self and the way I used to do things, I realize that that's still in my heart. Lord, these, these things, this, this desire for approval of men, this desire to do things for, for them and, and so that I might be satisfied is, is rife in us. And we ask by the power of your spirit that you would work in our hearts. That Lord, we would not be about building our kingdom, but rather we would be the light of the world. A beacon set on a hill, a city set on a hill, that you'd help us to be salt and light for your glory, we pray. Help us to love, help us to love well, love strong, but again, remove self from it, but rather because these are real people in a real need, and you loved us, and so we will love. We pray and ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.